Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Psalms 84, 1-4 say, How lovely are your tabernacles, O Jehovah of hosts! My soul longs, indeed even faints, for the courts of Jehovah. My heart and my flesh cry out to the living God, at your two altars, even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. O Jehovah of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will yet be praising you. Selah. This is Matt Miller with Ron Kangas for a continuation program on Psalm 84. Ron, in our last program I was here with Chris Wilde and we are covering Psalm 84, but today the title of our life study is a supplement to message number 32 on Psalm 84. Could you give our listeners a brief introduction to Witness Lee's further burdened and why he wanted to spend an extra message on Psalm 84? This uh, supplement, as we call it, is very focused, and it concentrates on a central matter portrayed by the tabernacle and unveiled for our experience in Psalm 84. And this central matter is the incarnated triune God as the enterable God for our experience and enjoyment. This theme is struck right at the very beginning of the message that here we have uh, signified by the tabernacle and the temple as God's dwelling place, the incarnated triune God. Not simply the incarnation of God or the incarnation of Christ, but the incarnation of the triune God in Christ. And this expression is based upon the truth that we cannot separate the three of the Godhead, although they are distinct. Where one is, the others are also. So when Christ, the Son of God, even God himself, became flesh, that is incarnated, that was the incarnation of the triune God. This we need to see. We need to see also that the incarnated triune God as the tabernacle, indicates that based upon Christ's redemptive death, signified by the altar with the offerings, we can and we should, even we must, 
enter into the triune God and experience him and enjoy him by and as all the items signified by, you know, the furnishings in the tabernacle, the, the table with the bread of the presence, and the incense altar, the ark and the holy of holies. So we would encourage our listeners to keep in mind uh, this thought that the further word based on Psalm 84 concerns the incarnated triune God being the enterable God through Christ's redemption for our experience and enjoyment of him. Ron, I'm glad you uh, repeated this phrase, the enterable God, over and over. I think uh, that's the key to what Witness Lee is going to refer to in this first section as the secret revelation that God has for us in Psalm 84. So I, I think some of our listeners, that may be striking to their ears. It may be a new term, but it's a big term. And I really hope and pray our listeners will stay with us as we go now to the life study with Witness Lee from his original speaking on March 17, 1993. I still have a burden to uh, share with you concerning Psalm 84. It is a short psalm, but the Lord has opened up the very intrinsic contents of this psalm to show us the secret revelation concerning the enjoyment of the incarnated triune God. In the Old Testament, there is a hidden mystery. The very triune God came into man, making himself humanly divine. And he was born this way as a God-man. And he walked and lived on this earth in this human and divine way for 33 and a half years. Then he accomplished something. He consummated something. You know, the first thing he consummated was the all-inclusive, vicarious death which has solved all the problems man has with God. All the problems solved by that crucifixion. And that became one of the two altars mentioned in Psalm 84. Then she went through this and entered resurrection. Now, in resurrection, he was made to become the life-giving spirit. Meantime, further, in him, all God's chosen people were regenerated. Amen. So, there is the new creation, the new man. When he ascended to heavens, another order was consummated the golden altar for God to accept all what Christ has brought to God. These are the two altars which are the leading consummations of 
the work of incarnated Triune God. I must tell you, this is Psalm 84. Okay, Ron, let's stop right here and talk about this secret revelation concerning the enjoyment of the incarnated triune God, which Witness Lee just referred to as the intrinsic contents of Psalm 84. Uh, let me first try to comment on the expression secret revelation. By using the modifier secret, we're not suggesting that this is something you know, esoteric, or mystical, or for some select group of initiates. Rather, it's something that is hidden, we may say, in plain view in Psalm 84. The secret revelation is the essential or intrinsic revelation of this portrait. Okay, let's be reminded that in this psalm, the seeker has this intense yearning for God's dwelling place, for his tabernacles, and eventually exclaims that blessed is the one who dwells in the Lord's house. This should lead us to a consideration of the contents of the tabernacle as a type and a picture of the incarnated triune God for our experience and enjoyment. And we don't have the time, neither is it necessary or fitting on this occasion to go into any detail. But once a believer enters into the interable God as portrayed by the tabernacle, certain things appear. There is the showbread, the bread of the presence, there on the table. This surely is for our nourishment and life supply. And then there is the golden lampstand shining brightly. Uh, even a superficial grasp of this as being Christ as the light of life is very suggestive that based upon the life in the bread, we have the light in the lampstand. Then we have the golden altar of incense, which according to Hebrews 9, actually belongs to the Holy of Holies, which has been opened up through Christ's redemptive death. The veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. So here at the incense altar, as is obvious by its designation, the incense signifying the resurrected and ascended Christ for our sweet acceptance by God is offered up. So here we enjoy Christ as our acceptance in his resurrection and ascension. Then we enter into the Holy of Holies where we see one item, that is the ark, signifying Christ the God-men, but there are precious contents. What we need to do in our consideration of Psalm 84 under the light provided by this ministry is to realize the tabernacle is a sign of the incarnated God being the enterable God. And we enter into him to experience him and enjoy him. And according to God's economy, this experience and enjoyment is that we might express him. 
a brief comment on a remark that you made, and I appreciate it at the end of the first segment, that this kind of speaking may strike the ears of a number of our listeners, and we recognize that, and we have no intention of being provocative for its own sake. But if this kind of speaking bothers a believer, let me say in all frankness in love, this is because of the lack of spiritual understanding. John 14 clearly reveals that in Christ and by Christ we enter into God. In John 15, the Lord explicitly says, Abide in me, dwell in me, reside in me, stay in me. Well, that me is the incarnated triune God. And that me is the incarnated triune God through death and resurrection becoming the indwelling, life-giving spirit. We conclude from this that our view of Psalm 84 is, and properly, governed by the New Testament revelation that in Christ God has become enterable and based upon Christ's redemption right here and right now as we are speaking this. We are in him, and at least to some extent, we're experiencing him and enjoying him. Ron, that's a good segue to lead into our next portion with Witness Lee. He's going to talk about the portrait of the tabernacle, and actually he's going to be diagramming on the board the tabernacle. And we won't be able to see that, but I hope all our listeners will be able to picture it in their mind, the picture of the tabernacle. If you haven't ever seen that picture, you really need it to have the spiritual education that Ron's talking about, because it's a great picture for entering into God, and the printed life study has it. If you'd like, we'll give the number at the end of the program where you can get the copy of the life study. In the meantime, we've included it for the radio program because of its importance to uh, understanding this matter of entering into God. Let's go back to Witness Lee. In Psalm 84, there is a secret, a secret revelation concerning our enjoyment of the incarnated triune God. And the house of God is the center of this revelation, typified by two things, the tabernacle, number one, the temple, number two. And both of these two texts were fulfilled in Christ. Now, I'd like to show you a diagram. You have an altar court, very spacious. Before the tabernacle, in the altar court, there were two utensils, the bronze or brass altar for offering sacrifices to God. Then, passing through the first altar, you have the labor. The labor was a washing basin full of washing water. Why the labor was after the altar? Because at the altar, our problems are solved. That means we became saved. But this is not God's goal. God's goal is to make us the new creation. 
for us to be the new creation, we need to be washed. Our old creation, which was made with clay, and which was also dirty with the dust of this earth. All these should be washed away in the labor. Amen. So, now, we are qualified to enter into God, to enter into the incarnated God. God, in his incarnation, became enterable. In the Old Testament, who can enter into God? No one. But today, we all can. And we have to. Ron, we not only can all enter into God, but we all have to enter into God. What a picture, Ron, that I'm sure you can comment on. Uh, can and have to, that is, we're required to. First, uh, some comment on can, which means it's now possible, based upon Christ's incarnation, to make God available and enterable. But without the bronze altar, signifying the cross of Christ, with the offerings, the sacrifices, signifying Christ in his all-inclusive redemptive death, we would have no way to enter into God. But according to John 14, the Lord himself is the way into the Father, and in him and through him we can enter into God. It's altogether possible. If we consider this in the light of Hebrews chapter 10, I think it's verse 19, which says that we have boldness to enter into the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus, through a new and living way. And then have to or must, we're not saying this from ourselves, telling other believers that they have to do this, we would do well to be reminded of the Lord's word in John 15, Abide in me, and I in you. And numerous scriptures which speak of God putting us into Christ, 1 Corinthians 1.30, and our being one spirit with him, 1 Corinthians 6.17. The New Testament requires the believers to abide in the Lord, to live in him. So we can't stop with can and then have the attitude, well, I may or may not, depending how I feel. This matters to God. Only when we abide in him and live in him, because he's enterable, can he experientially abide in us. If we don't dwell in him and let him dwell in us, there's no way for us to experience and enjoy Christ, and there's no way for God's eternal purpose to be carried out with us. So we can and we must dwell in him. And I would add a little bit, Ron, that uh, it refers in the psalm to the sparrow and the swallow finding a home and a rest, and those little birds have go through a lot of storms, and they're a picture of us needing a place to rest, and we really find our rest when we enter into God. Amen. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. This incredible God, who is he? The incarnated trying God. This is Christ, the God of man. 
He is our enterable God. When you enter into him, what you have? Your bread, life supply. Then what else you have? The lampstand, the light of life. Life supply and life enlightenment. We are living here and we are working here. Where? In the incarnated joint God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Then all these leads you to the point of the incense altar, the second altar. And here Christ is your incense. It's no more just a sacrifices at the first altar to solve all your problems. But further, he is your acceptance. When you are accepted in Christ as your acceptance, you have to know you are just God's testimony to express God, to manifest God. And this is the items of our main enjoyment of Christ as the incarnated triune God. Don't think God's incarnation has been consummated. No. It only has commenced. And this incarnation will consummate in what? In the new Jerusalem. The New Testament is just a record of the divine incarnation, which commenced from the birth of Christ and consummates in New Jerusalem. In the first page, you have one individual Christ. In the last page of the New Testament, you have a corporate Christ. The individual Christ is the beginning of the incarnation of the time of God. And the new Jerusalem will be the conclusion of this incarnation. Hallelujah. We got involved. Ron, what a wonderful picture of God's salvation that we got involved in the new Jerusalem, which is the consummation of the entire New Testament. This is marvelous. This is wonderful. This is worthy of our praise and also worthy of our restudy of the New Testament. We can see through the segment we heard from Brother Lee that in a very real sense, the entire New Testament is a book of incarnation. In Matthew chapter 1, we have Christ as the incarnated triune God personally. Then through, especially the Gospel of John, we see how we become a part by entering into him. Then through the Acts and the Epistles, we have the preaching of the Gospel so that sinners repent and believe into Christ for their justification and receive eternal life. They enter into God through faith and baptism. God enters into them. And now you have a people dwelling in God. This is the expansion and the enlargement of the principle of incarnation that consummates ultimately in the New Jerusalem, the totality of the incarnated and enterable triune God 
with all the chosen, redeemed, regenerated, transformed, glorified sons of God who in absolute oneness dwell in him and experience his dwelling in them forever and ever in the new heaven and the new earth. The New Testament is a story of incarnation and praise the triune God that by his mercy and grace we are participants because we are a part now of this corporate expression of the triune God living in him now and destined to live for eternity in him as our dwelling place. Wonderful. Ron, it is wonderful. I have a big amen to that. Uh, even listening to you, uh, tears are welling up in my eyes at the wonder of God's picture in the New Testament that we could be included in the story of the New Testament, the story of incarnation that ends with the New Jerusalem, and it includes all of us. Ron, thanks for coming in for this uh, special time. This was a very special time. Thanks for having me. And thank you also for joining us. On behalf of Ron Kangas, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening today, and we hope you'll join us again tomorrow as we go on to Psalm 85 in the following Psalms. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. To contact us, please call toll-free 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.